0: This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, where conversation is alive and well, conversation with creative people who have so much to offer. Boston is a city of character, and it is a city filled with characters. I'd like you to meet one of them. He's a dear friend of mine. His name is Mark Duffield. And as you'll hear, he's a former commercial fisherman. He's worked in public television and radio here in Boston. And about 10 years ago, he put out a book called The Last Shepherd. Tales of the Tenth Ornament, a wee yarn of wonder at Christmas time, which has become a local classic here in the New England area. He's got a new one out that's terrific. It's called As I Recall, Wings of Remembrance. I recorded with Mark earlier in the fall, and I'm launching it Christmas week 2022, and I definitely believe this is the right time for a story like this. So settle back, relax, and enjoy meeting a good friend of mine, the author of As I Recall, Mr. Mark Duffield, as we welcome him to join us on Mike. So Mr Fisherman, what are you yes. doing what are you doing these days writing books? Why aren't you out there casting your net?
1: <laughs> well, I casted my net for about fifteen years down on Nantucket and in the North Atlantic and finally in the Gulf of Mexico and finally decided it was time to come to Boston to seek my fame and fortune. None of which I found, but here I am.
0: (laughs) You are the unofficial mayor of Beacon Hill, let me just say that. Everyone he knows and loves you, so let's start with that.
1: Well, aren't you nice to say so. I appreciate that very much.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the past, and then we'll bring it up to the present with a a book that's all about the past. It's called, As I Recall, Wings of Remembrance. You made it to Boston. You became a bit of a landlubber, even though you're close to the sea, and you got involved with a beautiful... It's, it's more than a store. It's more than a retail outlet. It's sort of a cultural institution. Blackstone's, which is known far and wide as a, just a curio gift shop, beautiful stuff. How did you come to become a, a store owner or co-owner?
1: Well, as uh, you may know, I mean, I was with WGBH for 15 years as the uh, director of business development, and then I moved over to the New England Conservatory uh, to do a lot of their corporate or corporate fundraising work. Uh, but I've been on uh, Beacon Hill since 1982, since my days in the long winding in the Gulf of Mexico. And one of the first people I ever met was Lynn Miller, who at that time was the owner of Blackstones. And I became friends with her. And she, uh, over the years, uh, was just a wonderful person, And uh, but unfortunately uh, came down with cancer. And she took me out to dinner one time and said, Mark, I'd like to have you take over Blackstone's. You're the only person I know who knows everybody in the neighborhood. And you do a fine job uh, taking over and running the store. And of course, I told her that, um, I don't know anything about running the store. I can barely run my own life. (laughs) Uh, And she said, well, uh, you were a fisherman. You were a world traveler. You were in television and radio over at WGBH and so many other things. So I think you can uh, figure this out. Anybody that can cross the Sahara Desert or go down the Amazon can figure this out. Uh And so, of course, I didn't have the money to do it. And she had brought the price down because she really wanted me to do it. Uh, But that's where I met uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Hill at the New England Conservatory. And that was her dream, always to run a store. And so I told her about Lynn Miller and uh, and then it turns out that she didn't have uh, Jennifer didn't have the money either. So we decided that we'd go in as partners, and that's how it all started uh, back on April Fool's Day, 2006.
0: How auspicious! And by the way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Jennifer you're referring to is still very much there with her husband. Beautiful couple, and they, they have carried on the tradition. So magnificent. Yes, why why don't you describe? There's a lot to talk about and unpack here let's describe what the store is all about i sort of teased it but what is it
1: well the store uh, the way it was conceived back at, actually in 1982 is when it opened up july 10th in 1982 and it was run by a fellow named dick dowd and his partner and they started it and basically it was silver and leather and that kind of stuff i mean high end but back then, of course, uh, Beacon Hill and Charles Street in particular, you know, was uh, was not the way it is today. So they took a chance to bring a little elegance, you know, to the street and so forth. Of course, now we're surrounded with elegance. But when Lynn Miller took it over, she really brought it into what all of us consider what Blackstones is. It was a gift store uh, that had had a lot of Red Sox stuff. But she was really known for the holidays. All the ho- It was the only store, really, on Charles Street at the time, that no matter what the holiday, you could go to Blackstone's and buy something. But she really, uh, Christmas was her, her season. And the store was absolutely beautiful, uh, the way she decorated and so forth. And the store now, the way it is, is Jennifer and Jim, of course, you uh, had a kitchen store over on uh, Newberry Street. And so the way Blackstones is now when you walk in, it is beautiful and it reminds you of the old Blackstones, the old Lynn Miller Blackstones, and in the back is the
0: kitchen store. For those listening, if you've never been to Boston, everyone has heard the term Beacon Hill, but this is probably as close to a hamlet, a village unto itself, this one street with so many great retail shops and their boutiques and little places to eat, coffee shops. And it's really flourished in the last several years, uh, Mark, hasn't it?
1: It really has. And, of course, you know we're just uh, still coming out of the old pandemic where we lost over 20 stores on uh, Charles Street. Uh, But now I think we are fully recovered. And as an old friend of mine uh, told me years ago, in this one, Beacon Hill is really basically one square mile. But in that one square mile, you can find anything. You can get a haircut. You can get your laundry done. You can go to a bar a restaurant, a gift shop, or anything else. It's all right there. And you're Mm. in walking distance to a bus station, to a train station. You're only 10 or 15 minutes from the airport. So it's strategically situated. And it is very neighborhoody, and everybody yep. knows one another and watches out for one
0: another. Well, that's what I said. You're the mayor, unofficial. I mean, everybody, <laughs> you walk down the street uh, that we're talking about, and Mark is, is saying hello to everybody and vice versa, and we've become good buddies over the years. So let's talk a, a little bit about the first book that had to do with the store. And I love this story because th- I remember receiving the book and talking about it on the air years ago. Yeah.
1: It was called the the Last Shepherd and Tales of the Tenth Ornament, mm-hmm. and uh, you did interview me when you were over at BZ, and the person who put us together was Ron De La Chiesa. Uh
0: dear a friend. Yeah, friend, yeah, yep, absolutely. I just yeah. spoke to him the other day. He's yeah. great.
1: He's the best.
0: And that book took off locally. A lot of people, and still, still fans of that book, and people are buying it. It's sort of a sentimental uh, keepsake.
1: Yes, it was uh, basically uh, based on a true story, uh, about 10 ornaments uh, that I had conceived at the store. We were right at the height. This is 2007 around. And we were, like today, might be facing a recession, but back then we were in a recession. And so the idea is how do you come up with a program uh, that would... uh, uh, You know, a lot of our audience is uh, local, or a lot of our customers, I should say, are local and so forth. But we needed to expand it to customers outside of Boston and Massachusetts. And so this became the ornament program, a series of two ornaments a year for 10 years, encoded with various uh, anagrams and symbols that, when added together, would uh, supply or produce a five-line message of hope. Uh, That was secured in the Cambridge Trust Bank around the corner. And I had met uh, the president back then and asked him if I could put the uh, ornaments in his uh, vault, the original ones. Mm -hmm. And could I put the secret message, five-line message of hope, uh, in the, the teller's vault, they called it. And could he keep it there for five years? And then could he return on Christmas Eve at the stroke of midnight Uh, and open up the vault to reveal the message. And whoever divined the message uh, could win $2,000 in silver and gold coins, which was donated to me. And so that's how it began. And uh, as I was conceiving the idea, uh, Richard Thomas, uh, the actor, came into Blackstone's, a very, very nice fellow. We're now friends. And I was telling him about my idea, about these ornaments, and he uh, said, "Mark." Here's what you do. And I said, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And he said, you should write a story and issue it one chapter a year uh, for five years that has a cliffhanger on it. And then people, as they're trying to figure out the puzzle of your ornaments, they would read uh, one chapter of your book, of your story, that has a cliffhanger on it. And they would have to wait the following year and the following year. And I just thought that was a great idea. And the very next man that walked in, of all people, uh, was his name was Don Sherwood. And he was a very famous illustrator for Hanna Barbera, and he was known for the Flintstones.
0: Oh yes. And,
1: and he had a syndicated uh, column every year, uh, every Sunday, I guess, you know, with the Flintstones, and then his own uh, comic strip that he had called Dan Flag. But he came into the store. He was uh, quite elderly at the time. And very natally dressed, he's got his blue blazer and reeking of alcohol and cigarettes, and he was, uh, he was having a tough time there. But he came into Blackstone's, he extended his hand to me, and he said, Hi, I'm Don Sherwood, famous illustrator. <laughs> and I said, Hi, I'm Mark Duffield, I'm a nobody. But man, am I looking for an illustrator? So we teamed up, and he did all of the illustrations, and all I would do was Xerox what I had written, Xerox his uh, illustrations and then send them across the country because now we had 150 families in 26 states who got into this ornament program. And then as the years rolled on into the fourth year, I started getting emails from people that they thought this might be a book. And so I said, "Well, gee, I've never written a book or anything else, but I started looking, you know, for publishers and really couldn't find anybody." And so I was going to have to do this myself and self-publish it. But that's when the entire neighborhood, including Marimanino and a bunch of others, came out to help me do it. And so that's how the first book got done, with the generosity and, and largesse of this wonderful community. And we ended up uh, publishing 5,000 books and sold all of them uh, right from that one location uh, at Blackstone's. But I was so um, moved by all this generosity and all these people offering to help me, and I really hadn't solicited anybody. But I would have anonymous gifts, you know, slid under the door, and all of these wonderful, wonderful people uh, helping me. Some I knew, some I had no idea who they were. But I decided to give most of the money back to the neighborhood in the form of childhood cancer at Mass General. And we had to keep some, obviously, for the store. Um, but that began the whole writing, and the very first book came out of the the huge Hmm. generosity of this neighborhood.
0: I'm so glad you're sharing the story again, because it's a setup to what we're going to but talking about now, the whole idea of serendipity plays a big part in your life and in the life of that institution, Blackstone's. So here we are with a new project. And I, I said, I definitely want to have you on the podcast. It's called, As I Recall, Wings of Remembrance. And that word wings is very important in the title. Um, and this is based on a, on a true event uh, yeah. that had some impact on your life. And I love the cover art. I believe your sister did the cover?
1: Yeah, Sharon did the uh, the cover and the back cover of the book as well. Mm-hmm. And the illustrations within are done by Nancy O'Hearn, who was our local uh, mail carrier here on Beacon Hill for many, <laughs> many years. So it's a kind of a, a wonderful collaboration.
0: Yeah, you're all about community. I love it. So. Here's a story about you uh, having doubts a bit about the ability to take over this store and work it and make a success of it. Uh, You self-admittedly are an adventurer. You're a fisherman. You're a man who spanned the globe, but you never uh, owned a retail store. Something a little offbeat happens. What is it, and how does that fit into the story?
1: Well, it was opening day, basically. Uh, maybe I'd been there a month at the most. But anyway, it was my father's birthday on uh, November 20th, which is coming up, actually. And, uh, of course, he was a huge uh, part of my life and a huge uh, inspiration in almost everything I do. And it was his birthday, and I was thinking about him and looking for a little counsel. I'd never run a store before, and I was nervous, and he was always there uh, to talk to and uh, work through any problem or difficulty that I was facing. And I was just thinking about them. So I walked in the door. I don't want to give away the whole story, but I walked into the door, and something brushed my ear as I came in, and I was early. And so I locked the door and then went downstairs. I was doing inventory and stuff. And then all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door, and um, it's my friend Karen who's knocking on the door and I'm going, Mark, can I come in and buy your birthday card? And I said, Sure, come on in. So she came in and closed the door again and then as soon as she came in she goes, Do you hear that? Do you hear something, Mark? And of mm. course I didn't and then we both just were silent and there it was, I heard something and I knew exactly what it was. And it was a bird. But it wasn't any bird. It was a specific bird and it was a house friend which uh just happened to be my father's favorite bird.
0: Isn't that uh, first of all stop right there. That yep. th- that's not unusual. People uh often see what they consider to be signs whether they be butterflies, birds, any kind of natural phenomenon and it it just gives you a little tingle when you talk about it, and you mentioned it was your dad's birthday, November 20th. I think yeah. that's so cool. But safe to say, you remember your childhood and the impact that your dad had, particularly when it came to how he took care of little creatures, right?
1: Yeah, you know, my dad was born in Alton, Illinois, right on the Mississippi River. and then, But he grew up in Oak Park, uh, Illinois. And oddly enough, his uh, neighbor was Ernest Hemingway, and then down the street um, was uh, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, wow. as well, right in that little neighborhood.
0: Pretty North nice neighborhood.
1: <laughs> and uh, But anyway, he uh, spent his summers in Keosauqua, Iowa, uh, which is, uh, we were the first family to cross the Des Moines River and make a permanent settlement uh, in Iowa, which was then called the Wisconsin Territory. Anyway, all of my relatives were farmers and so forth. You know, they had a 500-acre five, uh, farm there. And so my grandfather, Papa Pa, uh, insisted that my father learn how to work the farm. So they would sit there in the evenings after working all day, and they would uh, spin tails all over the place. But my father spent a lot of time in the barn and also at home in Oak Park in the basement building birdhouses. He loved birds. But he built uh, one uh, birdhouse specifically for his favorite bird, and it was the house wren. And the design of the outside of the birdhouse was in the shape of a hand, uh, using the old expression, a bird in the hand hmm. is worth two in the bush. Mm-hmm. And over the years, of course, when we moved to Connecticut and all, my, uh, all over the country, my dad was there for a while. But I was born in Connecticut. And every uh, year, there it was, the birdhouse in the backyard, poised where my mom could see it out of the kitchen window. And my dad would sit had a little apple tree in the backyard, and my dad would sit there all day long with a pair of binoculars (laughs) waiting for the arrival and departure of the house friend. uh, But each year, uh, Sharon and I, my twin sister, we would help Dad repair the birdhouse, repaint it, and fix anything that needed to be fixed. And as I kind of write in my book, all of the work uh, and love he put into that birdhouse, uh, he put into our house with our family. We were a family of eight in a very small house, uh, but all that love uh, hmm. uh, was the same as he gave to that little bird. The house.
0: There's a quote on the back of your beautifully illustrated book. Um, and I'll, let me just read it. Raphael paints it, Handel sings it, Phidias carves it, Shakespeare writes it, and the Wren builds it. A quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. So this is a, a particular uh, species of bird that has a lot of lore and, uh, and down through the ages has had impact on people, <laughs> and it certainly did Absolutely. on you. Absolutely certainly did on you. Interestingly enough, too, you you and I have a mutual, well, he's a colleague, and a good friend of yours, a colleague of mine, who does a show, a radio show locally that is very popular. Is he still doing it, by the way?
1: He is still doing it, and, uh, and he has a couple copies uh, of my book, and he actually uh, promoted it on his show.
0: Talking about Ray Brown for, Ray Brown for those who listen. Talking
1: Birds with Ray Brown, uh, based out of Marshfield on WATD. And uh, he's been doing it. Uh, I was with him on day one. He had come to me, and thought he had an idea for a new show. Would I help him raise the money for it? And by that time, of course, I had left WGBH. But I said I wasn't sure I knew anybody anymore. But I'd be happy to help. And I said, so "What's your show about?" And he goes, "Birds." And I go, "What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about it, birds. It, it, I only know about one bird, the house." Friend.
0: The house. Friend. Well, by the way, the website is talking t a l k i n birds dot com. If you want to. Exactly. focus on it. A lot of people uh, into ornithology would love to check that every, out.
1: Every Sunday at 9.30.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we close out, let's just talk a little bit about the real messaging here in this book. And Your books have generally messages of hope. It's called, as I recall, Wings of Remembrance. What's the takeaway that you want people to
1: enjoy? Well, I think uh, fatherhood uh, basically uh, was the theme of it. And When the book came out, it's on Amazon.com and it's a lot of wonderful reviews there. But it came the very day it came out, it was uh, voted number one in books about fatherhood, which surprised mm-hmm. me at first. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, it doesn't last long because then when all the other new releases come, because all of a sudden you go from number one to 200 uh, and so forth. But that's the way it was looked by them, by Amazon.com. And so, uh, and, but there was an awful lot of nice reviews there. But it's about fatherhood and uh, taking youth and what you learn from your father and then passing it on. And, of course, uh, from time to time I've been uh, you know, falsely accused of being a writer, and, of course, I deny this <laughs> because I don't know a semicolon from anything else, but what I really am and what I try to, once I learn, uh, once you grow up, I become like my family was, a storyteller, and whose words, in you know, the telling, with a lot of help from, Learned individuals able to unravel the Rubik cubes of my syntax have helped my stories to find a printed page or two. But my editors and those who helped me must speak Duffield, which is harder than Mandarin and (laughs) various other Farsi and everything else. But I learned in writing uh, what I tried to do with this story and all my other stories was to basically have a conversation with the reader and tell a tale from my heart as simply as I could. And what I've learned from my father and friends, and I had once read somewhere that uh, syntax—not uh, not cigarettes and alcohol, but yeah, syntax—can yeah. be improved. Spelling can be corrected. Construction, or how you put your story together, can be altered. But you can't fake sincerity, and that's uh, what I try to do with my story. And I think I have found that there's an audience for that. I mean way out there where people have been ignored on these kinds of subject of happiness and goodness and kindness and empathy and sympathy and all these wonderful qualities, which I always thought are so great because they're the only qualities uh, that don't want anything in return. Uh, Just simply there they are and we do as best we can. Uh, But I think for a certain amount of the public, uh, these tastes and these kinds of subjects are unplumbed maybe, and unexplored, and I think people hunger for such uh, stories,
0: so that's what I try to do. Well, you succeed. I I keep calling you the unofficial mayor. You could run for office and uh, (laughs) sweep through, but then you'd have to be a politician. You wouldn't want to do that. No, I don't want to be a Um, politician. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. Uh, I know a lot of people, as you can imagine, in my line of work, and I know a lot of gentlemen. You are a gentle man, on all counts, capital G. Okay. And the book is one example of what you're all about. And I, I can't wait to bump in. I'm, we're the kind of people who bump into each other a lot on the street because I'm always Amen. walking around. And,
1: and always my pleasure when we do.
0: Yeah, so the coffee is on me next time.
1: Oh, wonderful. Thank my,
0: you. My treat. It's called, As I Recall, Wings of Remembrance. It'll just make you smile and uh, maybe tear up a little bit, and that's the whole point. Mark Duffield. And again, People can go to Amazon and get the book, which is available.
1: And easily. the Blackstones as well.
0: We want to put a plug in for Blackstones right there in the middle of Charles Street. Jennifer is the uh, is the owner, Jennifer and Jim. He sharpens my knives, by the way, for oh, the kitchen. Good. He does everything for me. He's but it, a sharp fella. <laughs> he's, and I'm, I'm missing a knife or two in my drawer, but he, he's taking care of me. <laughs> Mark, as always, God bless and uh, thank you for your contributions to all of us.
1: Well, I value your friendship and you're the best, and I hope to see you soon.
0: Mark Duffield, his latest is called, As I Recall, Wings of Remembrance. It's a book for children of all ages. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Switch Media for his help in publishing, to Chart Productions, where we produce this and many other audio projects, and special thanks to you in the audience. May you have a blessed holiday, and as we speak right now, a fabulous new year fast approaching. Visit jordanrich.com for much more, and until next time, remember to be well so you can do some good. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.